Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? We're here live on Berry Flow Upstream number 34. Here with the whole gang this morning. We decided to move the podcast up to the Super Bowl later this evening. But how's everyone doing? We've got Alex, Brandon, Chris, Darius, and Jubei. What's up? Surprised all you were awake, especially Alex. I mean, he's he's a committed guy. Alex, have you ever missed one of these podcasts? Oh, the only one I missed was when I went to Toronto to cover the event, right? Or did you guys no, not do I think we did one right before you went. Yeah, so you, yeah. I think you still oh. made that one too. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the one time my Wi-Fi was awful and it just kept yeah. dropping out. And like <laughs> Alex and Jubei kept the show going without me. So we, we definitely appreciate the dedication. Uh, let's get started, guys. There's not too, too much to talk about. It seems like it's kind of like a transition week of sorts. Not too, too much going on. Even in some of the webcasts that they've done, they've more or less just reiterated some of the facts and news that we already know. Um, let's get started talking. I want to talk and kind of focus the conversation around applications, native, Android, or otherwise, and device preferences. I think almost all of us here now are actually using a Passport. Uh, I think Alex is the only holdout still on a, a Z device. I wonder um, why. <laughs> yeah, like, what was the preference for you, Alex, though, in terms? You had both of the devices. All of us have, you know, played with all of the devices as well since we're such hardcore users. But... You're on a Z30 now, and what are some of the reasons that you choose it over a device like the Passport? Well, my number one reason is obviously Verizon. That's always going to be my reason. But, like, I can tell you when I did get the Passport from the event, um, I used it a lot the first, like, week or so. And, like, I didn't really like it at first, but then it grows on you. And, like, after you give it a week, a week and a half, then you like it a lot. But then I realized that I was really just using it. Like, I never wanted to flip over... Um, my my BBM and stuff because it's kind of a pain to switch between BBM if I can only use the passport on Wi-Fi, but I did enjoy typing on it a little bit more, and it just got to a point where I I was carrying both devices with me and I was hoping to get Wi-Fi so I can use the passport. It just wasn't worthwhile, and I'm kind of like if you don't constantly use the passport, then you're not going to prefer it to a Z30. If you just use it sparingly, sparsingly, or whatever that is, then you're going to prefer like the all touch screen device and that's kind of where I'm at. So it's almost not even by choice that I still prefer the Z30 and I kind of would rather have a new all touch device than I would a new passport but that's because Verizon really did this to me kind of. It's like a weird scenario to be in. It is interesting because you were kind of pinned hole in, into having the Z30 device where other carriers in the states didn't even support it so you kind of have that, that side device. I wonder if the Passport, in, in the long term of like what BlackBerry's hardware strategy for this coming years, is the Passport really going to stand out and stay like one of those this kind of front-end device for them? You, you talk about wanting maybe another all-touch Z30 type successor. Uh, Brandon, what about you? You went from a Z30 to a Passport. What are some of your preferences, and how have you ended up on the device you're currently using? Yeah, so, I mean, I was just discussing with you guys pre- prior to the podcast. I just wrote that whole QNX article for Barry Flow on the train on my passport, and I would written other articles on my Z30. And, and what I've found is that the Z30 is quicker to type with, but it's less accurate. So when I'm writing long emails or long articles, I actually save time on the passport, even though I'm not you know, typing as quickly, just because I don't make as many mistakes. <clears throat> and I don't have to like double back and, and correct a whole bunch of mistakes. So and it just is a bit more comfortable typing with that physical physical keyboard. Um, in terms of the size of the passport, 
I love the I love the size. I love how you can see Excel sheets and, and documents a lot wider. That's that's one of the big pluses about the Passport. Whereas the the Z30, if you want to play it sideways and then you need to type, the uh, the keyboard in, in landscape mode takes up like half the screen. It's definitely a caveat and trade-off between the devices. When I had my Z30, I was kind of just like you, Brandon, where I was typing a lot faster, you know, flick typing one-handed on-the-go messages, short messages, really, really well. On Passport, you know, it, it is a two-handed type device. So yeah. even with the flick typing, it, it's kind of hard to just shoot off those small messages. You almost want to just sit down and be dedicated with it. But, you know, what I found with the with the virtual keyboard is that the more you use it, the more you get used to it. And, and I was getting to the point with my Z30 where I can I can fire off um, emails or messages without even looking at the keyboard and looking at what the suggestions are just because, you know, I was so used to what the suggestions would be and I could just flick like that without looking. So, I mean, it, it's got its trade-offs, but ultimately it's more comfortable typing on the Passport. And, and Blaze, what about, what about you? you? I mean, you and I both have been kind of like running around between different devices, classic, passports, uh, even I think you have a Z3 as well, is that correct? Yeah, and pretty much every device that I can actually, <laughs> it's sitting like right here with the Z3. Um, mainly I use the passport. The only time that I ever fire up any other devices like when I really have to. I had them all sitting there, but when I got my passport, I just totally stopped using my Z30 uh, and pretty much every other device, and I haven't gone back to any other device since then because the passport covers pretty much everything that I want. It has a big display, it has a nice wide keyboard, and everything is just there. I mean, um, when the Z30 came out, I probably ranted for quite a long time about how much that I loved the Z30 and that it was going to be my favorite device because this was the device that I was wanting and hoping that BlackBerry would build. Turns out that wasn't what I really wanted at all. What I really wanted was actually the Passport. I, I thought that I wanted a, a big display, all touchscreen device, but I didn't. I wanted a Passport which has the big display and has the big white keyboard at the same time. So I'm, I'm pretty... I honestly... I. As much as people will hate me for it, I really couldn't care less if BlackBerry brings out an all-touch device. As long as they keep reiterating on the passport, I'm fine with that. I think your chair agrees with you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I know. I got a new chair and it's all squeaky and stuff. I'm going <laughs> to mail you some WD-40. We'll see if it makes it <laughs> some of the weather conditions up there. <laughs> Darius, what about you? You on a passport right now, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what's your preference? I mean, Blaze, Blaze is, you know, he's clearly on the on the, in the terms where yeah. he didn't even know he didn't even know what he wanted until it was there. Right, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it too. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I I totally agree with with Chris. Like, he, he made an awesome point because it's by like, using his like I just pulled out my Z10 the other day and I loaded a you know, 3.1 on it and I was just you know admiring just. Kind of how underrated of a device it is, but um, I was using a virtual keyboard and I was like, man, I missed this, you know, just the flicking. And, um, and like Brandon had mentioned, you know, just you got you get to a point where you don't even have to look at it anymore. You know what the suggestions are, you, you know where the buttons are, even without having to physically feel the keys. Um, but uh, when you get a passport in your hand, it, it's kind of like you be like, man, this is 
honestly, this is really what I did need the entire time. And just the entire just, I don't know, it's just, in terms of speed, yes, you know, a virtual keyboard is a lot faster, but, you know, the accuracy in terms of the passport, I just find myself, like, uh, I don't know, it just, I don't, seamlessly, I, I never have to correct any misspellings or anything of that nature. It's just right on point. Um, a quick little story is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, guy was playing Trivia Crack, and I'm like, I like Trivia Crack, but I can easily cheat on Trivia Crack because of the OS. And he was like, how? And I, I saw him, like, I opened it up. And you have 30 seconds to answer the question. I flip the, uh, you know, the app application up. It goes into active frames. I bring up the browser. I type in real quick what the question was, and I get the answer, and I go right back into it. He's like, how did you do that? I'm like, it's that easy. It's, it's just my accuracy in terms of typing a question, finding the answer that quick, going right back into it. I mean, it's just it was there. And he's like, oh, man, that's crazy. And he was like, man, I need to look into a BlackBerry. And I actually converted to iPhone users over to a BlackBerry to device. Which it's a, wonder, it's a wonderful yeah. story. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was just that, like, that little testimony there, it just kind of shows you, like, you can, you really have the quick accuracy with it, and you're having a wide screen, and just, I don't know, it's just, Passport is just, it's a, just a great device. But, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, the, in terms of virtual keyboard compared to, you know, iOS or Android, you know, BlackBerry 10's virtual keyboard is, is second to none. It's really one of one, so... Darius, that is such a great point that you bring up that I didn't even think about. But whenever I go to the browser, and for instance, in the browser, I want to type in a question like, what is blah, 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 whatever. Uh-huh. I find myself misspelling a lot on the Z30 right. because it doesn't have autocorrect in the browser. And that's a right. great example because I've had, I've probably spent 30 seconds trying to delete and fix a simple question <laughs> to ask Google exactly. because it doesn't have autocorrect. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's super quick. It's just super easy. I mean, because, like, me, I, I tell people, like, I'm a Googleologist. I'm always, like, wondering what something is. Or I'm trying to figure out what something is. So I immediately go to Google. I'm always looking at Wikipedia and things of that nature. So I'm I'm very quick in terms of just finding what things are or trying to see what something is, whether I'm uh, trying to find a link and I can just be, you know, uh, I don't know. It can be some website. And I can just say, you know, Z30 you know, Crackberry, and then it will bring up, like, the review link if I'm looking for something that, you know, nature, for instance. But, um, I mean, it's just the accuracy is really there. And the speed is just more about, I guess, you know, it's more of how quick you are truly, but um, you, I don't think you could ever just beat the speed due to the flicking of the virtual keyboard that you give a BlackBerry 10. Bar none. It, it is really such a fantastic input experience. And I love that they keep the cohesion kind of across all the devices. Right. And, and going back to kind of Chris's point and bringing it full circle, as it's very interesting because that's what really innovation is all about. It's it's bringing something to the table. It's like I didn't even know I needed this, but it's fantastic and amazing. So a really, really, really interesting preferences overall. Jubei, uh, let us know what some of your thoughts are on device preferences. You've been kind of going around. You've had Q10, Z30. Um, when I was visiting, I was really enamored by your Q10. And I, I kind of thought well, maybe I want to get one for myself, but... What are some of your preferences right now? What device you're using, and kind of why, why have you ended up at that device? Well, I uh, recently have the uh, Passport. Got it yesterday after some drama. I've always been a physical. Uh, don't laugh, Alex. I'll accept tears, but no laughter. Um, I've always been a physical QWERTY guy. Um, the best virtual typing experience I've ever had has been on the Z10. It's just been the perfect form factor size. And I would actually wouldn't mind having a Z10 as a backup device laying around um, 
these I, I just think the dimensions of the phones like Darius State has just kind of been a underrated device um, love the Q10 still have it still love it the passport immediately uh, got used to it there has been not much of a learning curve with it at all for myself um, I know people are like oh give it a week give it a you know a couple weeks and five minutes in I'm, I already got all the all the gestures all the uh, touch capacity uh, gestures and stuff so um, it wasn't too much of a problem love the passport kind of like with Chris in terms of you're, you're kind of really happy of the innovation because most people wouldn't have assumed a device like this would have uh, been a great marriage between a physical QWERTY and a great large display. Um, I did not like my typing experience on the Z30. Um, it's just uh, when I held it with one hand, trying to reach over, um, you know, to get the full um, virtual keyboard. Uh, if it wasn't for the flicking, it, I, I wouldn't have liked it at all. But the Flicking is probably much, uh, pretty much the thing that saves uh, the typing experience, input experience um, overall. But uh, virtual keyboard uh, would go to the Z10 for me, and still love the Q10, and uh, absolutely love the Passport, uh, hands down the best device I've ever owned. Tip, you picked the Z10 for God. I, I, every time I look at the Z10, I'm like, what am I, I can't see it at all. Like everything looks so small and narrow. Well, it's ridiculous. This is the thing. A, a lot of people. I guess we're in that generation where everyone, everything's getting bigger. Because everybody remember, back in big. back in the early 2000, everything was small. Because size matters. Everything's mini. <laughs> so for me, um, I enjoy the uh, the large size of the passport because it, it works in that form factor. But you know, nine out of ten times, I'm always going to go for the smaller device. I love portability. I love mobility. I love throwing it into the pocket. I don't like carrying large electronic anything. So um, yeah, set ten and Q10. It's it's funny when I remember my uh, my mother's first cell phone back in like the 90s. It was like probably around like just as wide as the passport is now. Just not as thick. But I mean, like it's almost kind of like we're going backwards in time in that sense, but at the same time, we're getting a lot more for it, right? So, yeah. Because people didn't really have any trouble having, like, carrying a huge box in their car for, like, a cell phone service in their car, right? Yeah. Got them bag phones. Yeah. Weighs 100 pounds. Deadlifting my phone. <laughs> Pretty sure my mother used to date a drug dealer with those. <laughs> It's like innovation. Is, it's it's taken like a retroactive perspective in in recent years. I mean, just simple fact because you are going back to like larger size devices. Even though you know, as you mentioned, Brandon, they're not as thin. Um, what their the devices now are thinner, opposed to what they were back then. But uh, I don't. I think it's just people people better interact with a larger display. And I think that's simply what it is, and that's what draws people to larger devices because they just simply react better and, you know, faster with the larger display. Um, as, you know, Jubei had mentioned, I, that's one of the things that I don't forget about the Z10 is the size of it is perfect. Um, in terms of it, then it's the weight and, and just, you know, the height of the device. Lengthwise, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's just it's right there when you need it. You know, it's quick. It's not small to the point where you can't really get things done. It's just the right size. I don't. I don't. I just. I love the Z10. I really wish that was refreshed for it. 
um, you know, just better specs. But I mean, who say it can't happen? But I mean, in terms of like the passport, as I I know I've mentioned beforehand, I really can't wait for the second iteration of it just to see how they kind of make it better. Because as much as like we love it now, I mean, it's like if you make it better, like, geez, man, that's something I'm really waiting for though. It makes me wonder, like, what we're going to see in terms of some of the further innovations. I mean, we all obviously love the big screen. We love, you know, obviously having that kind of input experience. And I love that the fact that it's a gesture-based OS, so it just works with the large screen even right. more so. Right. But, you know, like, we're, what are we going to see? Are we going to see something like a tablet slider, like a tablet that has a keyboard? I think, like, where, where are we going to take some of this technology that we have in terms of this innovative touch-enabled keyboard? Like I, I'd, I'd almost like to ask a question if maybe people are choosing large screens just because that's that's the options that they're given right now. Like if you think about it, if you want the most up to date, the most powerful BlackBerry right now, you gotta get the Passport. <laughs> if you want something in the Z10 uh, form factor, you're not gonna choose the Z10 anyways now, two years after the fact because yeah. the hardware is just outdated. So I wonder if maybe people are are choosing these larger and larger devices. I'm sure there's a good chunk of people who want that larger screen, mm -hmm. but I think there's also some aspect of the market, you know, telling people what they want. And you yeah, you're right, right. They're tired of waiting. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's because like even like there's rumors now that iPhones, you know, the Apple's going to be going back to the smaller size display, you know, um, because a lot of people they look at it and they're like, you know, I like the new iPhone, but I kind of like the smaller size, and like a lot of people that I know who have the iPhone 6, they're looking at it like, you know, I like it, but I I really miss the form factor of the 5S. Um, you know, they don't really care for a larger size screen. They they just wanted better specs, you know, better resolution in terms of the screen, you know, faster processor and so on and so forth. And um, I mean, I, I totally understand, but you know, you make a great point, Brandon. It's like you don't have a lot of options out there, but um, because initially companies look at it and they're like, well, People like these big devices, so let's keep making them. And so the smaller form factors go to the wayside. Um, yeah, it's like but, uh, you, you, you got to realize like what's trending and uh, what's available. People right. show up to these carrier stores, and it's like, well, you have the choice between this large screen and that larger screen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, <laughs> all right, I'll take the large one. There's not, there's not like a full line, which I appreciate right now the economy of what BlackBerry offers because if you walk into AT&T a month from now, you have the classic and you have the passport, right. and they really uh, cover the you know both ends of the spectrum. Where the classic is you know that retro feel, and the passport is the next generation, and that's great that they have those two devices moving forward. But if you walk into any store now, you know the top uh, phones—they're all like massive. They're huge. Yeah. So are, it, are is it because these phones are? excellent or because they're trending or is it because there's just no other option for people out there? Well, that kind of question is like um, innovation as well because you look at it as like, is innovation going to move in terms of technology or is it going to move in terms of form factor? Like, with the Passport, it wasn't necessarily I mean, the technology, the, the innovation was with the capacitive the keyboard, but the true innovation was of the width of the device that people really just overlooked. So it's like, will the innovation start moving back towards smaller size form factors? And or, we can't, and we can't you know. underestimate the, the effect that wearables are going to have on, on our devices in the future as well. Mm -hmm. if maybe people don't need to use their screens as much yeah. um, to get notifications, read emails, maybe virtual assistants improve. They can just talk into their wrist and, and get most of the things they want done done on their device. And, and then 
I wouldn't be surprised if in like five years down the road we start seeing smaller and smaller devices and that trend of bigger and larger screens starts reverting. See, I, I feel like that would be the reverse because like people, if they can use their, their wrist, you know, their watch to be doing a lot of the basic things, then when they do pull out their phone, they, they would rather use it more like a tablet. They would rather it be bigger. So I, in my opinion, I feel like that would actually make people want larger devices, not smaller ones. They just wouldn't be pulling their phone out as much. Fair point, fair point. Yeah, I just mean, don't know where it ends now, though, because obviously right. you're not you're not going to make a phone that's going to be like a tablet. And, well, realistically, I mean, we all joke and say that the Passport is like the size of a tablet, but it's really not. But you're not going to have like a, a seven-inch tablet in your pocket. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> are people just going to continue making bigger phones? I hope not, because I hope there's 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 at least a point where people are like, "Yo, that's too big. <laughs> we can't sell that." <laughs> you know, like, there there has to be that point where they say, "We can't." You know, that's not a phone anymore. You know, that's like a pocket assistant or, or something. There has to be, you know, I don't know well if we're gonna get there or what the case may be, but I hope they don't get too outrageously big because they're already big enough. <laughs> It's interesting that you bring up, like, the trend of wanting a big phone because, you know, I'm not going to lie, but, like, buying an Apple device, it is kind of a trendy thing to do. And, and I've noticed more and more people will brag, like, hey, I got the new iPhone 6 Plus. And it's like right now if you were to go to the store and you wanted the most expensive, the biggest, the best, whatever iPhone, whether you want a small iPhone or a big iPhone, the most expensive thing that you can brag about is the iPhone 6 Plus. So all of these people... Like, it's so funny because I'm seeing girls with tiny hands getting the iPhone 6 Plus, and they're okay with it because it's the biggest, the best Apple thing to get right now. So is it because they like the huge screen, or is it because it's the trendy, like, I, I, they can brag about it? It's like, trendy. Yeah. Trendy. Hold on, I, I gotta get my phone. <laughs> I, I actually, there's somebody at work who, he got the uh, 6 Plus the first day it came out, and within a month, he, like, switched back to the 6, because he's like, yeah, I just wanted to get the 6 Plus, because, you know, it was so, like, it was, it was, it was the new one, and it was like, yeah, it was the thing yeah. everybody was, like, looking forward to, the 6 was kind of just there, and he's like, but in terms of, like, the functionality and, like, like ergonomically, like, sticking it in my pocket and stuff, it's just, I need the 6, because... Yo, James, you were, you were here in New York, so you know that when I walk the streets, the enormity of people and their devices always on there, you know, always constant. Definitely streetwalker. You know, sitting on the bus, sitting on the train, walking down the streets, I see a few people with that iPhone 6 Plus, and you you can tell that it's just not productive for them. It's like they're fumbling with their device, trying to move it around, trying to hold their bag, holding onto the train pole, or, or the yeah. bus, whatever, and they're trying to hold this massive device, and <laughs> it's just, you can see, you can see it's awkward. Yeah. It's, there's nothing really efficient about it. I literally seen a guy uh, who was sitting beside me. I, we were, I was coming back from um, training that I had in Indiana, and the guy beside me, uh, he had the iPhone 6 Plus, and he literally retyped the word like five times because the device was just so big, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, if 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 the device if you can't type a word correctly at least by the second time, then the device you, you got to do something about it. And it's just that right there has to say something, but it doesn't because those people. And I don't want to jump ahead because I know we're going to speak about it in term um, with the uh, 
the passport video, like the testimony video that Blackberry's dropped, but that kind of asks you, why doesn't other companies do things like that? Why don't they ask their customers, why do you buy devices? Do you buy devices for the simple fact because you are productive with it, or do you buy it because you just like our brand and you buy all our products? Well, that just really comes down to the vision of the company. You look at uh, what BlackBerry does, uh, they're visionaries in how to make take productivity to the next level in a secure fashion, how to innovate something. How can we create something that can uh, help people do more and uh, move faster without you know, uh, taking away time? And you look at companies like Samsung and Apple, that's not like their best foot forward. Their best foot forward is like, uh, how can we sell? What's the right. latest trend? Right. And what's popular? What's fashionable? It, it so goes all into like their their even their commercials and like you you look at the commercials that show like all these great scenes of life and then it just says the iPhone. It's like okay, <laughs> what did the iPhone do or anything that happened just now? You know, it's like I, I don't even get it. It, it shows. <laughs> it's just. We we can't make that argument. Did you see our Super Bowl commercial last year? <laughs> okay. Yeah. We can't make that argument. <laughs> but no, like when we take it back to devices, I mean everyone was building that three point five inch screen, you know, back maybe four or five years ago. Everyone had that same form factor. And if you were copying Apple's form factor, that's all you were doing. So Samsung's like, All right, how do we differentiate? We make bigger phones and that's been the trend, you know, to segue against what Apple was doing. Even Apple's now had to succumb to the trend they created by not doing it in the first place, you know? Right. Same thing with the iPad mini and all that crap, you know? It's, it all is like a derivative form of that core form factor. But Passport, I, Passport just denies all of that, really. <laughs> and I almost wonder if that trend is also somehow correlated to batteries and because batteries have, you know, they've been growing slower than maybe some other aspects of the mobile device. And as we see with the Passport, BlackBerry really opted to get a really good battery for the screen size, and I think they had a good blend there. And I think maybe a lot of these other manufacturers don't really emphasize batteries as much. You're right, because the, yeah. the battery is the one piece of technology that hasn't caught up with the rest of technology um, because it's it's a lot of uh, physics and things of that nature that goes into it. So looking at it, you know, I mean, you it's one of the things, they make batteries thinner, but in terms of the life that you're going to get out of it, it comprom you, you compromise a lot of things and you risk a lot of things when you have to mess with the form factor of a battery because you have to look at the form factor of the device you're going to be using. Yeah, so, because well, the iPhone 6 Plus has a larger screen, likewise yeah. a larger battery, but it right. doesn't mean it's going to last longer because it's still, you have a larger screen, you have more specs, so it's right. eating yeah, yeah, the amount of That's exactly yeah. it. That's Making exactly. a phone more powerful, adding a better, you know, GPU, a CPU. Like when you're adding better stuff, it takes more power. So okay. everyone's like, "Where's my quad core, my octa core?" Well, you know, running eight cores is going to drain the battery more than running four cores or two right. cores. Exactly. So there's like, it's it's a constant struggle, yeah. a battle. Yeah, they have the optimized OS, you know, for for it as well. I mean, that helps a a great ton, you know. Um, but. I know the battery. I think the battery thing is one of those things. Now that I think people they care about it, it's gained a lot of attention, especially within the last year. You know, especially with Samsung and uh, you know their marketing and kind of taking John Chen's wall hugging uh, monarch. But you know, it's just uh, I don't know. I think the battery thing still won't be addressed for like at least the next couple of years. I don't feel like it's a new technology that I feel like has to come about that will really address it. It gives you great battery life unless you're using a green screen Nokia or something of that nature. Yeah, it needs something to push it forward technology-wise. Right. 
Which goes back to, like, if BlackBerry's going to go ahead and release another Z10-like device in that same size or everything, mm-hmm. I hope they would at least learn the lesson from the first one and then improve the battery on it. <laughs> Definitely. If you're going to make a Z10 successor, at least put a better battery in it for sure. <laughs> but it still, it still needs to be removable, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's 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 something else. Yeah, I think the the smaller the form factor, yeah, it should be removable. The larger, then you know you don't really have to compromise it as much. But yeah, I would definitely agree with that too. Yeah, if it's a larger device and you can actually, you know, there's the room to put a larger battery in there, then I'm perfectly fine with not having a removable battery. But if it's a smaller one and you know space isn't necessarily limited, go ahead and make it removable because people. As much as I don't care about it these days, there are still people out there that are diehard fans of having the removable battery. I mean, that was that was one of the key things that made a BlackBerry a BlackBerry to that. Yeah. Well, what is the what is the standard? You know, is it anything that is five inches or you know larger shouldn't be removable, or in in five or you know. 4.8 or smaller should be removable. Like, you know, where are you going to kind of bring, bring that line right there? At? Yeah, it's a good question. Go ahead, yeah, Alex. Yeah, this, so this kind of just connected. I don't really know how true this is, but it kind of makes sense. Like, okay, so look at cars, for instance, and we're still not on the electric car thing yet because, you know, it's expensive for them. You know, people aren't really buying electric cars. We need to fully move over so everyone has electric cars in order for the electric cars to become more profitable and everything like that. Well, look at it. If, if car manufacturers start spending billions upon billions of dollars in R&D to develop better car batteries, um, these electric batteries, it's the same thing with phones. Like, it's similar technology. And then, like, you've seen phones recently. There's been some breakthroughs of being able to charge your phone really quickly. Well, at the same time, there's also been recent technology of being able to charge your cars really quickly, the, the electric cars that are out there. It seems to kind of be on point, and I wonder if the car manufacturers are the ones that develop the quick charge battery <laughs> that technology, and like we could do that in a phone as well. So you I wonder a, if yeah. they're connected. You make a really good point. I actually saw a documentary called What Happened to the Electric Car, and apparently in like the 70s or 80s, um, I think it was Ford or, or somebody or Chevrolet came up with an electric car and it worked really well, but then something happened. There was this whole conspiracy that oil companies started buying up yeah. all these battery companies and they just kind of bought all the patents and everything kind of just to prevent these electric cars from creating a foothold, whatever. It's a, <laughs> it's a conspiracy, whatever it might be truth, whatever. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there is some truth to it. You need, I, I, I'd say we, we have that economy of scale with batteries right now because everybody has a mobile device. Computers have a mobile device. So I'm kind of wondering, why haven't we seen more advances in that space? I mean, sure, we, it might be a benefit to have that, that injection of cash and, and money from the auto industry to push it forward even more. But I mean, I find it hard to believe that right now, as it stands, we don't have enough momentum going behind that to push it. I want my next battery powered by Tesla. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing that bothers you on Musk on these battery situations. Man. I need it all fixed up. I want a supercharger for my phone. I just want to roll up, charge my Tesla, charge my phone all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 
I, it comes to co it comes down to cost, though. I think once the technology becomes affordable, and then more people are into buying the technology, that's the reason why a lot of people don't buy the, uh, you know, economy, uh, you know, driven vehicles, like because it's not really affordable. They give you these huge rebates because when you purchase the vehicle, but purchasing the car. It's like, okay, I can spend $30,000 and get this vehicle that's much larger, runs on gasoline, has more features, opposed to this smaller vehicle that, you know, I can get a 5,000 miles to the gallon. But, you know, it has less features, but it costs so much because of the technology used to, you know, use this vehicle, or, you know, drive the vehicle, you know, make it, you know, efficient. That's all. Yo, what car's getting 5,000 miles? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> No, just, I mean, just for example, works for the army. Maybe he knows things we don't. Nah, no. no, I mean it's just like, would you rather buy a, you know, spend thirty thousand dollars on the new Hyundai Genesis or buy the Chevrolet Volt for thirty thousand dollars? That's that's yeah. like a, the same rudimentary argument as like, do I want to buy a BlackBerry Passport or an iPhone six? <laughs> You know, but it's just like it comes down to that, and it's, it's affordability. It's not affordable yet. Once the technology becomes affordable, we'll begin to see it more, and people will buy into it, but it's just not affordable yet. But yeah. there's also, like, the patents in there. Like, the, like honestly, I think the largest thing keeping batteries from also, like, you know, being more developed is every time someone comes out with the technology, like the quick-charging battery or whatever it is, they patent it. So yeah. what does that do? No one else can use that technology. They can't expand upon it. They have to figure out a different way to accomplish the same thing than patent. Like, patents are really screwing us over from adapting quickly. And I've been seeing, and I've been hearing a lot more that newer businesses are actually not patenting things. Like, they actually are open sourcing things because the way they see it is if they're first in the market and they do it the best, then they want the rest of the market to get there. Just like Tesla, they open sourced a lot of their patents because they realize we're the best in the market for this, but the market's not at this place yet to buy our electric cars. So the way to get that is to open source this. We need to get everything to the level where people are buying electric cars, and then we can grow because we're already on top. Exactly. Really and what we're talking about here is a fundamental shift in the way cars are manufactured and how we, we consume energy for, for automobiles. And you can't get that fundamental shift just by one force going behind it. You need to open source it so that yeah. multiple stakeholders can, can get hold of that technology and push it forward as, as a united force. Create the, allow the uh, industry to evolve and create that competition among the same technology. This, this is and that's start patenting it, right? <laughs> so that everybody can be rich. <laughs> Patent it after the fact. Once we're once once every, once the whole market is there. Yeah. <laughs> once we get everybody on board, we're gonna patent everything. <laughs> so I want to talk. We, we talked about devices and preferences and some of the technology behind those devices. But let's talk about applications. We have Insta10, Follow Mail, Sketchbook got an update, Home Screen Plus got an update, and uh, I believe Brandon's application, CloudMix, got a beta update as well. Oh, so, Brandon uh, builds apps. Had no idea. No, I know. Every time I see his I name, I'm like, oh, no, Brandon? <laughs> is, it, is that our Brandon? Is that? <laughs> no, but, uh, it's really cool, I think, that native developers are still behind this platform. I like looking in, in the span of two years and that we still have top developers continuing to turn out applications, especially applications like Sketchbook, which are just gorgeous, you know? Yeah. Unparalleled experiences, really. Uh, Brandon, tell us a little bit about CloudMix, uh, what you're trying to do with it in its beta form and where you're trying to take it. So coming from the perspective of a DJ, um, the two main sites for uploading your mixes or for 
for discovering new music and mixes. In my, in my view, based on, on my experience DJing, is that it's MixCloud and SoundCloud. And so most DJs or anybody will put up their mix on either MixCloud or SoundCloud. And those are the two the two main apps that any DJ will have on their mobile device if they have an iPhone or Android. And so when I was looking through Black Bear World, obviously there was no MixCloud client. And then I looked online, and the website worked okay. But then I realized there was an API. So I started playing around with it. And I, I was able to get to work and everything. And, and thanks to another developer called Alejandro Diaz, he, he helped me out a lot getting the playback to work. I got to work. So I think it's just a matter of... You know, there, there's that want from developers, third-party developers, to build these apps for BlackBerry 10. I think it's kind of like what Alex said. There's there's that IP kind of aspect to it where these companies don't want to necessarily always give you their API so that you can disseminate, you can you can give their their I mean their their apps to these platforms. And and it kind of goes back to Chen John Chen's point of app neutrality. It's like You've got all these developers that want to bring these apps to the platform, but they just can't. And so, anyways, that from too long didn't read. Essentially, yeah, if third-party developers are doing a good job, if the APIs are there, even not in the case of Insta10 and, and iGran, um, there's always going to be those people who want to fill those gaps. Yeah. On it's cool. It's kind of like breaking ground. You know, I'm the first to do this because you're you're the only native cloud mix client at this point, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep, and I think it works pretty good. We'll see. We'll see if uh, if, if memory if, if it sucks <laughs> in a few weeks uh, and kicks mine to the ground, but whatever, it's good. Yeah, enough. if the application sucks, let him know in beta zone. You can leave little surveys. There's a comment thread, all that good stuff. So definitely let him know if it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and thanks, uh, Blaze, for uh, putting up the article. I've got a lot of good feedback these past couple of days. So keep Sweet. it coming, guys. Yeah. Word. Any other uh, native applications people tried out? Did anyone see Tilt 2? Was it, it Tilt 2 was the update on the original Tilt, which was then copied and recreated by another. You know, this is this is the original. So yeah, <laughs> I have Tilt 2 actually installed, and I liked it a lot. I liked the original. It, it was only lacking in, in its uh, customization options, and when I saw the new Tilt come out. It didn't really offer too much, but it you know it's a little bit of an upgrade. And then Tilt Two comes out, so I download that, and that's just that's awesome. That's like the best experience um, prior uh, to the you know former two apps. Um, I like it. A big... I like it, but I just wish that it was a little bit more customizable. Like because there's stuff that there's obviously stuff that's pre-aligned in there that I have absolutely no interest in. Right. Yeah. That's the only. I wish I can actually tweak some of the uh, RSS uh, information there more because it seems to just on default be on Yahoo. I never do anything with Yahoo. Um, I'm not an investor, so the stocks. Um, I mean, that's a cool update, uh, cool bar to have, but I don't really. It'd be nice to kind of create your own bar and uh, throw in whatever app you would like uh, in that bar to. Be yeah, updated. and to be able to move them around too. Like based on importance, because you know. Yeah, I can, you can move them around now. It's just the way you move them around now is a little annoying because you got to give yeah. it high priority or low priority, and you got to kind of like a mini game in there trying to get the right order yeah. in place. Um, but um, it's still leaps ahead of what they had 
initially for so long? How long was that Tilt app uh, was out before we saw it? I think it was like oh for at least a year, and it was based yeah. off of a developer thing anyway. A developer sample was what it was until it got expanded upon. <laughs> Actually, Toby, who's also in our BerryFlow team, just put out another update to his application hub browser. And now you've got a time lock feature, so you can actually lock the hub browser uh, asset uh, on the OS, which is pretty cool. Um, nice. It's just cool. Again, native developers have not yet given up on this platform. There's some building Trello applications right now, and uh, as well, there's a really cool application, Only Screenshots by Cubo. I love that app. I don't know what he's doing to actually pull that specific folder. <laughs> I'd love to know his little secret. <laughs> Yeah, you, it's such a simple application, but how do you actually tag those images as as? Yeah. And and there's another app that I've heard of from a from a friend of mine who it's it's like it's going to be called a loyalty app or something. So you can just um, it would just scan your loyalty card and then put it into your into the app, and then you just have to scan the phone for everything. It'll be pretty cool, kind of like the the passport on iPhone, I guess, to an extent. Passport. I was kind of laughing the other day when passport. everybody put up. Insta 10 because some of the comments were like, well, we already have this app. Why do we need this one? I'm like, why don't we need this one? <laughs> there should be more apps. If you know, if you're not happy with one, you should be able to go to another one. Right. Don't tell people to stop making apps just because there's one that already exists. Build more of them. Build yeah. lots and lots more. Absolutely. <laughs> For me, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, the whole Insta10 thing. Because you're right. I mean, why don't we want more and more applications? Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's impressive because, as we know, that the, the uh, developer relations is more focused on enterprise app, and we're still seeing these, these consumer apps just because there, there is that support from the developer community. So it's always good to see. And I think maybe maybe that was the plan all along. They knew they had this strong developer, uh, these hardcore developers there that were going to continue developing apps, and who knows? Yeah. Almost all of those hardcore developers are in this video chat right now. <laughs> all two of them. <laughs> no, no, no. Hopefully the, the developers out there know I'm kidding. Uh, Speaking of developers, it looks like the BlackBerry developers over at BBM gave us an update, finally, <laughs> to our native uh, BBM client. So it is available in beta zone right now. It's brought two things. You can share multiple pictures from the pictures application into a BBM contact. Yeah. And as well, BBM has landscape support now. And it had it before a couple beta updates ago, and <laughs> they said it ruined the flow, and now they brought it back. <laughs> I'm glad it's here. Now we're on par with iPhone BBM. <laughs> I wonder how that works. Is that, obviously, that's not going to work on the Passport. I don't have the beta, so... It does, actually. Well, it, it does. It, it uselessly does work. I don't know why. That's kind uh, of silly. It is. It's super silly. But at the same point, it's like, I can do it. It's something you yeah. couldn't do on another Q Some device. Some people said they like that you can turn it sideways now and scroll yeah. up and down. Scroll up yeah, and down. You, you have more area to scroll up and down on the But that's keyboard. it. I mean, it's not... It's not like super serious. Well, yes, yeah, but no, look at it. Um, channels like channels would be more useful than sure scrolling up and down through your BBM contact. If someone's yeah. relaxing with their cup of joe, you know, huh. in channels. That's pretty cool. This is what channels looks like when it's um, it's all yeah. like just four strings all on one page. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Wait, yeah. Alex, I see where you're going with this. I see where you're going with this. 
All right, all right. Not too bad. I can I can appreciate that. But still, why give it to us, take it away, then give it back? That's, that's kind of what I'm concerned about. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they've seen the outrage that happened when they put it on the iPhone. <laughs> you think the outrage flashback or something? It had, yeah. People were dirty mad when it got on iPhone and it wasn't on BlackBerry. So they're like, eh, maybe we should probably put that back in. It's such an interesting that uh, BlackBerry would like put out an announcement regarding these two features yeah. on the beta. Like, was there like a massive demand, and you know, for them to come out and say, "Oh, we got these two features." Was it that? Was there like a craze for it? I think it was just to stop the outcry of people bitching about, you know, iPhones got this update with landscape support, and we don't even have that. So that's probably the only reason that was put out there because this update was really not much of anything. The the developers probably looked at each other and they're like, "Wait, I I thought landscape was in there already." Like. No, we took it out a few months oh, ago. Like, you didn't, you didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> They're like, why'd you take that out? <laughs> I, I thought you guys killed it. I didn't know. Yeah. I cannot wait for the uh, for the roadmap for BBM to come out. I, I cannot wait. Damn. I can't wait to start paying for BBM. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I want BBM Premium to to stand up to. I guess the expectation I have of it, WhatsApp is now getting calls, and a lot of these other messaging platforms are literally taking individual features that BBM has had for years and kind of just rehashing them. I gotta, I gotta look into it. I might, I might ask Blaze for some help with this. But if I'm, if memory serves, BBM came out ten years ago. This year, didn't it come out in two thousand and five? Like it came out internally, and then they actually did an official launch of it. But it was an official client. Internally, I believe in 2005. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. A decade of BBM. So maybe we could do a collaborative article or something to that nature talking about BBM. I'm sorry, James, did you say something of that nature? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, That's Darius. Line no, Darius says that. things of that nature. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> We're talking about VBM, Blackberry, and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes in. You got to put it in there sometimes, you know. So I got a question for you guys. This is a poll on Crackberry as well. Case or caseless? How you're rocking your device? Is it as naked as the day it was born, or have you slapped some clothes on it and asked it to mature? Mm. <laughs> I like that poll. I really do because... I, pause. Let me go pause it because I didn't. That didn't sound right when I said I like that poll. Um, I like the voting scheme there. <laughs> no, because beforehand, before I had my passport, I never used the case. I I had cases for my phones, but I never used them until I had the passport. Until I got the passport and I use the hard shell case now, and I love it. Like I do not like taking it off of my phone as much as I love just the feel of the passport itself. The hard shell case is just, I think it's like one of the greatest cases out there. Like, honestly, I, I just, I love it. Yo, excuse um, my language, but fuck the hard case. Look at my hard case right now. What's missing from my hard case? Mine came out, but I put it back in there. I got it back in there, man. But yeah, That's what he it, said, "Yeah." I'm so <laughs> for the record, you guys can buy those little sticker things on eBay. They're like two dollars. You can buy no way. dollars. Yeah. I love you. Thank you for you telling can buy me. them on eBay. Yeah, let me get that link. I need that. <laughs> so, speaking of cases, I wanted to show some accessories for the passport. We have the obviously the transfer, the hard shell, right? 
They have the other one, which is the leather flex shell. This is the one I'm currently using right now. I love it. If you don't have one for your passport, get it. It's actually, if you take a quick comparison, you see how the transform, the hard shell, actually takes up more space on the bottom than the actual flip. It was actually pretty nice. When you put a device in here, again, you just slide it down to the bottom, you click it in, and then you have this little kickstand, which you can then clap together just like that, and you can slide out the kickstand to set it up. Really, really nice. It has the leather texture. It's not as nice as the backing on the Z3 and or the Classic or the Hard Shell. It's not too bad. As well, Blaze, you and I were talking about this. It's like, why would I want to review this when no one can buy it? But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the uh, genuine leather pouch that uh, they, they came out with. has the Blackberry engraving there on the back. looks pretty nice. This is 360, so you can put it at any dimension. Uh, I like it. I mean, here's another passport. Um, when you put it in, it'll it'll auto-close. It'll auto-turn off, and then as you take it out, just like all the other magnetic It'll actually turn the screen on. Would I pay $150 for this? Uh, probably not. <laughs> There's actually some really nice ones. I think, um, was it DJ who did the post on the leather? It was, yeah, uh, she put up the nice leather one. That one was really nice, and yeah. it's kind of like that the whole flip, which I like. Um, for a holster, we were kind of talking about the size and dimension and preference of a device earlier. If I have this on my waist, people are going to think I'm carrying a sidearm. Like, <laughs> it is... <laughs> It really, really is. So, you know, I wonder, does the business person who's, one, using a passport of all devices, two, you know, a high-profile exec, does he even care about the price? It's almost like, why did my passport not come with a leather holster? How dare you give this to me without one? So really, are those kinds of people price-sensitive at the end of the day? I don't think they care at the end of the day, but people who, you know, they spent, they already spent five or $600 on their device. They're not... They, <laughs> They're not going to want to spend another hundred and some odd dollars on a case, yeah. especially for that one. Like we we joked about it before, you know, was it where'd this cow come from? Was it an Italian cow or something like that? Like this has got to be the best cow hide of all of South France or something. Like it's crazy. It's Blackberry Blackberry found one, sent someone to slaughter a bunch of little baby cows. Have <laughs> this case. It's, uh, it's one of those things where it's it's not like a subscription fee, it's a capital cost. So when you look at a capital cost like that, like and you compare the cost if you, if you're in if you're the person who who's ordering the devices for your company and you look at the price of $70 from uh, like a Z30 or something or the previous devices and then all of a sudden you're looking at the capital cost of the passport holsters and it doubles. You're going to be like, what the fuck, man? Like <laughs> Like no one we went like, from killing baby cows to capital cost like that. I love but, but at the same time, like there's some validity to it because it's like, yeah, maybe the exec doesn't really care that much. But when you're talking about enterprises that might be ordering these, um, like by the thousand and stuff like that, those costs really do add up. So hopefully they're getting some kind of discount for that. And and on the and on the other end, the people who don't get it through their company, when they look at the price of 150 dollars, I can't imagine. You know, unless you're an exec like James said, like one of the one of the staff people. I mean, they're still they're still kind of based in reality. These people, they gotta know that 150 dollars is is kind of ridiculous for a holster. But who knows? I, legitim I legitimately think the folks over at Digital River, whoever's behind Shot Blackberry, just typed an extra one in front of the 50, and they just went went with it. They yeah. sold out, and they're like. 
All right, we're going to keep it at that price. Yeah. But I think Adam do. Because there's no way that that was the original price because the the big debate over it when it actually, you know, it kind of leaked out because the picture showed up before everything else and the pricing was at the bottom, it was it was for quantity pricing. That's exactly what it was. You know, you buy 20 of them, this is what you're paying for 20 of them. But whoever put it on the website ended up putting a quantity pricing there, and they just left it. They didn't. They rolled with it. They were like, eh, people are buying them. This is the problem. With, this is problems with leaks, Chris. You leak that information out, <laughs> and literally, literally, the guys at Digital River are on Cracker Barrel, like, "Oh shit, that's the price." And they're like, <laughs> I've been waiting all week for this. <laughs> you know, now I'm wondering if they're gonna come out with like a fake leather, a pleather version of it. And they have one already. Over. They have one that's oh, yeah. like a sticker that you just slap on the back and it flips over. I mean, that's it, legitimately what it is. Yeah, that's the original one. The the leather flip case. It just. Keeps the sticky stuff on the back. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the the leather the flip case is like such a fucking get over. I was so disappointed. I was just like, "Are you serious? I spent this much money just for some adhesive backing? Like, there's no clipping, you know, case anything. It's just like yeah, it doesn't even stay closed." And I'm like, "Fuck, man." People were combining their hard shells with that to actually make a case. <laughs> that's, and that's just too much. Like, if you have to spend that much money to make one good case, Jesus Christ, you must not spend your money on shit. You man. might as well just spend the hundred fifty on Yeah, they should just get like Pooter to design these fucking cases. Yeah, they should get Pooter to design some damn stickers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why don't they hire him? <laughs> <laughs> he submitted supposedly. It's just like there's a line with yeah. all this bullshit in front of him. So. Oh my goodness! As much as fast as stickers come in, like we get new sticker packs every single day. I'm surprised if we haven't seen his. Like we haven't even got wallpapers yet. I mean, not that that's the biggest concern, but whatever happened with that? Why even have them if you're not even gonna have other wallpapers? Speak for yourself. That is a huge concern for me. Yeah. Where are the other wallpapers? <laughs> These bubbly Apple wallpapers. Yeah, I don't get it. It's like, why don't you sell like sticker and wallpaper packs? You know what I mean? Like, why don't they come in packs? That would that be makes so much there, sense. There he is. There that's is. That's that's sense. the next update. That's what's happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> the curve, man. I guess I guess iOS will get that uh, update before we do though. So. You, know what really you, know, <laughs> you know what pisses me off as well? You can't send time stickers. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Just like, that's, a, that's a given. Yeah, you you're like a perverted, like a perverted South Park sticker and have only see it for like five seconds. That'd be awesome. Instead of it just <laughs> sitting there for, through his world history. So uh, let's move on. Move on from BBM because there's a lot of we could we could go on it for hours. We could do a whole podcast just on BBM and our gripes and qualms. But uh, Brandon, tell us about your medical QNX medical article. It's a leading BlackBerry driver in their IoT platform. Uh, tell us kind of w- why it came to mind, why you wanted to do it, and the points you touched on. Because I think it's it's a big point of what BlackBerry is driving, quote-unquote, forward for in terms of automotive and this medical region. Yep. Um, I decided to write this article because I find a lot of people know about QNX and they kind of associate it with the automobile platform. And, and as we've known recently, BlackBerry has gotten more into the medical field with the NetHealth partnership. And I was wondering, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I really, a lot of people really don't know how all the bits and pieces of IoT and BlackBerry's platform really relate to them as an end user. 
and, and what this is going to mean for them in the future, what's going to mean for other people who are going to come in contact with this platform. So I was, so I really wanted to answer the the questions of the what, the why, and the who of QNX and medical. And as we see, some of their recent products, like the HBox, have some some real, you know, um, some real benefits to to people to the end user in the aspect that it would be collecting data from them and passing it on to doctors, so that doctors can kind of analyze the data after. And I mean, this just connects to their broader ILT platform with Project Iron. I thought it was just something that you know goes over a lot of people's heads, and I thought it was. A good idea to kind of relate it back down to how it affects everybody. It was amazing read, really was. I loved some of the quotes you had from top professionals in the field, and it helps really kind of balance and make it relatable to, to people reading it. I, I was surprised to see that they're in a lot of different pieces of medical equipment already. That they're they're in surgical equipment, therapy equipment, all sorts of different monitors and, and different things of that <laughs> to quote Darius things oh. of that nature. <laughs> but uh, I. I was really impressed as well with kind of how you broke down the who, the what, and the why of it all so that it was a very easy and digestible read. So if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about QNX Medical, go check that out. It's over on our blog. Uh, let's close with a piece from CrackBerry that was posted up talking about Enterprise Product Service Webcast that is now available for replay. Did anyone happen to watch it? I caught like 10 or 20 minutes of it, and it was a, it was a pretty long, like an hour and a half webcast. Yeah, it was a real long webcast. I didn't watch all of it. I only watched about 45 minutes of it and, you know, to skip through some of the stuff. But it was really interesting what they actually went through because they, you know, they took the time to go ahead and explain stuff a little bit better, um, you know, rather than just what they generally put in the press release. But they were talking about some of the upcoming stuff that's coming out, uh, some of the stuff that's already existing, like VPN protected and the packages and all that stuff. Um, apparently, um, protected voice is coming in at some point in time as well. So um, right now, VBM protected doesn't uh, doesn't do voice encryption or anything like that, but it will uh, at some point during the, uh, spring of 2015 is what it was marked as. So if you if you're interested in any of the enterprise stuff, it's definitely something to catch up on. But I think. Most people will agree that some of the enterprise stuff is kind of, you know, yeah. You can see boring at that, at that point. You know, some of it, it some of it's really interesting, but if you listen to too much of it, then you start to get crazy. right. They 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 spoke on a couple of things like uh, you mentioned, Chris, with the. Um, being protected voice, like you can tell, they're starting to implement like the Secu Smart acquisition into it um, a lot now. And uh, yeah. one interesting thing I heard, I think it's probably about ten or maybe fifteen minutes into it. Um, like they kind of like in the past, they've always spoke about why security is so important, but they talk about how they make security um, such an important feature in terms of you know your mobile OS. Which was interesting because a lot of people don't think about it. It's like you know you you know why you want it to be such, but how do you implement it in terms of being you know the most important, and how are you making it um, so, so secure as you know they have in, in recent years and such. So um, interesting points, but yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Is as a carry on, you're like okay, you know, I just want to kind of get it over with. I it. just like the yeah. fact that it seems like BlackBerry is like on tour with these uh, security type webcasts and webinars and summits and what have you. They have a, a, a little name for each one that they do, but it's about 
awareness. It's about getting that message out and just pushing yeah. that BlackBerry brand forward. And I've technically, if you've heard and sat down through one of these security uh, webinars or summits, you've kind of heard them all. They bring out an impressive list of statistics and numbers, and they tell you, you know, what the future is going to be anticipating and where they're positioned and all their offering uh, offerings and services and why they remain the global leader in, in, you know, mobile communications. And, you know, they're just trucking it. They're just going out there periodically and um, pushing their brand out, pushing the name, putting their services out there. And it's great to see that they're staying active. I mean, they have to because enterprise is their, uh, you know, heart and soul. So I think that's part of, the, part of the thing that we don't necessarily see as well is that, you know, they do have offices in Washington and stuff like that. And we don't get to see that stuff. I mean, a lot of us are most generally paying attention to the consumer side of things, but there's a ton of stuff that they're doing on the enterprise side that we don't even see on a daily basis. They're having these meetings. They're, you know, hosting these webcasts. And, you know, they're going out and they're having the summits and stuff like that, where previously it used to be, like, events like BlackBerry Live. You know, everybody got to pay, go to those events. And we've check them out, whatever the case may be, device launches, whatever. You know, we see those things and we pay attention to those things because they interest us. But on a deeper level, BlackBerry hasn't stopped doing those things. It's just that those things are now pretty much enterprise focused. And we've sort of stopped paying attention to them on the grand whole because they're still happening. Those events are still happening. They're still going to you know, whatever whatever events they need to be at for the enterprise recognition. I don't know what enterprise recognition events are. Like, the, what wasn't that? That one a few weeks ago. I can't even remember the name of it, but Marty Beard was there, and he did a big, he did, like, the keynote um, discussion yeah. for it a few weeks ago. But so those, those are the things that are going on. It's just that we're not necessarily always paying attention to those things because they don't... You know, they don't pop up in our general interest all the time. But they're yeah, still happening, gonna, and BlackBerry's still out there. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's a, like it's a shame that um, people don't know about these things. But if you, I would encourage anyone out there that if you have a chance, you have a little time, even if it's a half hour, 45 minutes, uh, similar to uh, what Blaze did, to sit down and just kind of uh, watch or read some of these uh you know, summits or webinars or webcasts that they have, they're extremely informative, and it's just an impressive amount of information and data and a lot of things that's just uh, incredible as far as the future of mobility and secure mobility and uh, communications and voice encryptions. They, they get into the details of these, and it's just really impressive to see where BlackBerry stands in all of it. And, you know, just kind of educate yourself a little bit more on, on that side. I mean, like... You know, Chris said, we're all like consumers on, on you know, a certain level and we enjoy the new devices and new apps. But uh, if you want to tap in a little more into BlackBerry's DNA, you'll be in for some really amazing, incredible stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like their security crusade that they've been on is like, uh, they, they instead of, um, you know, having it where you come to us to re get the information that they've taken it to like we're coming to you now because especially in you know just the last year of all the hacks that are going on they really want to educate people and that's what I really admire about what Blackberry is doing they're really on this you know just mission to really educate the people in terms of not just what we're capable of doing but what you really need to be aware of 
because of where we're headed in terms of the future. You know, like it's it's a new battlefield now in terms of politics and where we're going. It's cyber warfare and things of that nature you're gonna be facing. You want to be very conscious of your security and and um, where the the shift is going towards now. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the risks that these these different companies are encountering are risks that are self-imposed mm -hmm. by not covering some of the bases that need to be covered in terms of a true end-to-end -end secure solution. And it's really, it's really, really hard to explain to people that BlackBerry is the only company with an end-to-end -end model that covers the device, the software, the services, the infrastructure, and everything in between. And that, that is really what their bread and butter is, that they don't piecemeal these things together or slapstick it on at the end, that it is a cohesive, full platform of enterprise mobility. But, uh, let's wrap it up with that. I think we covered everything we needed to cover in the week. Did anyone else have anything else they wanted to mention? Uh, and could I just mention, <clears throat> mention one last thing on that, how you were talking about BlackBerry. is really kind of a, an entire you know, spectrum of devices, uh, OS, and everything. And I think what's really cool with IoT and BlackBerry's IoT platform is that it's really traditionally it has been companies have been focusing on devices and OS is kind of in a closed system, kind of like how Apple does it. And I think what's really interesting about BlackBerry and what they're trying to do is they're really trying to bring that integration between different machines everywhere. And it's not kind of that closed system. It's really focusing on that security between a whole bunch of different devices and, and different places and different functionalities. Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> I just want to say I don't use a case because I totally didn't even say when we were talking about the case poll. I didn't say anything. I don't use the case either. I, yeah, I, I, I totally segued that whole conversation with my little case show. Yeah, I don't know, don't know where it went, but I had no input at that point in time. So I don't use a case. I run no case. it all the time. I was actually surprised that uh, no case beat, it out, beat out a case in that poll because yeah. I was expecting the Crackberry, the devoted Crackberry followers would be, you know, very, uh, very concerned about their devices, very, you know, yeah. case-oriented. I think it comes down to the type of device you use, though, I, and I think that's, when you're looking at, when you're going to look at those voters, it depends on the device they're using. I think uh, if, you know, a lot of the people that may have voted could have been owners of, like, Z10s and Z30s and Q10s. Um, I think more people who are going to use a, a case are going to be passport owners because of the device, just as because of the size of the device. Yeah. Um, not necessarily saying that yeah, everyone who has a passport uses a case. Clearly not, but it depends on the size of your case. So yeah, I mean the size of your device. So you would use you know a um, case for that uh, phone. Just for the numbers, fifty-two percent said that they don't use a case, and forty-seven said that yes. They do because they're not too. It's fairly close. That, that is pretty close, actually. Yeah. It's pretty so, even. Let me let me level, just level it out here. <laughs> this poor screen, <laughs> with a case on. <laughs> just be careful, people. Yeah. These are expensive devices. Expensive devices. Very what about you, Alex? So is your Z, your Z30 was a uh, bare naked beauty, right? Yeah, um, I've never, I didn't even, like, know cases for the Z30 existed. I'm just careful with the phone. Um, I've never dropped a phone and broken it, um, knock on wood. So, yeah, I in the Passport, I tried some options, but I kept going. Why, to the why are you looking for the Passport, Alex? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a Passport. Oh, my God. He was talking. He's like, How looking for it. How did you notice? <laughs> 
Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. Though. <laughs> um, yeah, but I I'm just careful with my devices, and I realized that um I prefer no case. So <laughs> team no case. <laughs> team no case. Brandon, what about you? Uh, well, the the thing is, is that when I had my Z30, when I first got it, I, I had to do some field work, and I dropped it on the ground, so it got shipped, and at that point, I'm like, what's the point of putting on a, gate, a case at this point, right? Yeah. But with my passport, I've learned from previous mistakes, and <laughs> got, I got a case right away. So we'll see. Hopefully previous mistakes. to you didn't happen to me. It fell two feet. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing, though, man. It can, you know, you could drop a phone like ten times, and not a single thing would happen to right. it. You drop it that eleventh time in just the right spot, and it it's gone. It's dead. Mine, <laughs> mine slipped off of a lazy boy onto a hardwood floor. I maybe a foot off the ground, and I just. Pick my Z10 up and I, you know, turn it over and I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like I've dropped it on so many. It's got so many war scars on the back, and then it's just like that little drop inside of a home causes this just huge distress. So <laughs> my entire like screen replacing it was like having a brand new device all over again. So, but yeah, as soon as I got my passport, I had got the uh, what's the Amzer uh, jail case. I think that's how you pronounce it, Amzer or something like that. But yeah, uh, that's a that's a pretty great case. I'm um, pretty good case too. I, I I like that case for my password. But the hard show is just it does it for me. <laughs> and Jubay, are you rocking anything? Yours is bare. I've all my devices have always been bare, except for legacy devices. They've always had cases. <laughs> I've never had cases for my legacy devices. I just man, the legacy yeah. devices they just felt so. All devices, I never had any of those on those. Yeah. Those were tough. Oh you yeah. Could throw them on the table and whatever. What? Nothing <laughs> happened to them. Well, I really appreciate having everyone on. Always a good mix of insights and opinions. We'll see you guys next Sunday for Barefoot Upstream number thirty-five. Everyone, take care. Take care. Bye. Peace.